Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't Rip City, shows. are you listening? I'm Christian Gamalin, I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer, and this is the Peeps and Plaid podcast. The NBA season has begun, and the Portland Trailblazers are officially one and one after getting demolished by the jazz in the season opener they followed that up with a nail-biter overtime win against the covid protocol depleted houston rockets in that game cj mccollum scored 44 and james harden also scored 44 we'll discuss these two games some trade speculation and more this episode but first a quick bit of news the blazers have exercised the team options for anthony simons and nasir little which extends them both through the 2021-22 season Zach Collins and Gary Trent Jr. will become restricted free agents this coming offseason. So, Austin, how are we feeling about these young guys? Uh, you know, I am happy to see Little and Simons coming back. I think, you know, I, Christian, as always, I think you're a little bit more privy to the uh, salary cap and the contract situations than myself. But I would say just from what I've seen game-wise, Anthony seems to be a bit more confident in his three-point shot uh, in these first two games. Than, yeah. than I had seen uh, last year. So I like to see that. And then also, um, he you know, he still has that tremendous upside. Also, with Little, I think, kind of same situation, you know, tremendous athleticism, still a lot of upside, uh, and, and they really want to see where that goes, and they want to lock him in. Um, I, I like it. I think we'll talk more about it here as the episode uh, goes along, but I would have liked to see uh, Gary Trent playing a, a few more minutes last night as well as uh, yeah. hopefully an extension here in his future you know these players bring some different things to the table uh it's 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 interesting as far as some of our young core guys that we have around right now um we really have uh two groups of guys we have we have the more polished uh lower ceiling and then the we have the uh, athletic guys that um have that higher ceiling that we're kind of gambling on a little bit more and it seems like that's where the blazers have have moved with this direction would you say that's a a fair assessment definitely yeah the, the blazers obviously have their main guys in damon cj and those are actually the only two players that are currently under contract um for sure past 2022 so our entire team is either done this year or next year except for damon cj wow. um and Andrew Nicholson that we're still going to be paying in that's, 2023. That's that's so odd to hear after all these <laughs> these tremendously uh, um, uh, uh, I guess ball and chain contracts we had in, in, yeah. in 2016. And now now I'm hearing oh well everyone could be gone here in the next year or two. It's like oh my goodness this is a a different Blazers organization, huh? Definitely. So there's those two main guys, and then there's kind of a, a current core where we have you know Nurk, Covington, Hood, Derek Jones. Uh, I guess Mello and Cantor, they're, they're only on this season and they're, you know, coming off the bench. But then we also have that young core with Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, hopefully Gary Trent and Zach Collins um, after this season if everything goes well. So the Blazers are, are kind of in a good spot with some flexibility on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the team. Oh my gosh, on the roster. So one thing I want to talk about is... CJ McCollum and James Harden just scored 44 each. The Blazers were added to James Harden's list of teams that he is open to be traded to. 
What are our thoughts on a James Harden trade to the Blazers? Do you think it could happen? Who do you think is going to need to be in that trade package? What are your thoughts? Uh, it's a really tough conversation because I, I don't know who I was listening to on NBA TV talk about it uh, in terms of all-star appearances and just kind of James Harden's accolades. And it's like you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, everything except Dame, right? Dame is a, a non-negotiable as a, as yeah. a Blazers fan. Um, do it right you hear these accolades but then it wasn't even necessarily the result of last last night's game some of the style of play and and you know the chemistry uh, uh concerns culture fit it was really the last play for me and yeah. seeing that reaction and it was like wow that was really personified all the concerns culture concerns fit concerns will it be worth it does it jive with the loyalty message that Dame has really emitted here in recent years? And and then you see that facial expression by James Harden after he turns yeah. it over. And it's like, you don't really see that much as a Blazers fan. And it kind of just sits with you where you're like, hmm, is this the cost of being a big market team? I don't necessarily think it is. I think we, I was chatting with a buddy yesterday and I said there were rumors that Dame was training with Giannis through the summer, I believe, and Giannis was, you know, he he Dame felt like he had a shot at convincing Giannis to come to Portland. I don't know yeah. how I don't know how much of that was was just talk, but I think the fact that Giannis stayed and signed a Supermax actually speaks more to the fact that he trained with Dame for a whole summer. Yeah. Yeah. So as we get more and more big names even considering you know i think i think a lot of the times in in terms of free agency we think about well if we get this this player then other players are going to consider coming here well i think i think it's actually a little bit more nuanced than that i think i think it's a little bit more gray area than that i think the fact that james harden said the blazers slash celtics are my preferred list of destinations that's yeah that is a step in itself and it's one that I think at some level does rent space in other free agents' heads for years to come. Definitely, yeah. Eventually, I guess, uh, long story short, eventually I think that there will be a situation similar to the Giannis training. It might not even be Dame. It might be one of the guys we have now who develops into a, a, I don't think we're going to see a guy like Dame for a while, but develops into our premier player who yeah. who has a similar training experience and – for some reason, this player is maybe in their latter years, and they're a you know a, a big free agent target, and they say, hey, you know, for some reason, Portland lives in my head as a viable uh, semi, not large market, but a viable option for me to go to, you know. Yeah. And I and, and and the last thing I'll say, Christian, is when you think about anything that's not big market, you think small market. You you your your brain automatically goes to the other side of the spectrum. But <laughs> what I said to my buddy yesterday was, if you're not in LA. If you're not in Dallas, and uh, I don't even know if that's appropriate to say that, but Chicago, New York, <laughs> Miami, you don't want to be in Cleveland. No offense. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you don't want to be in Cleveland. You don't want to be in, um, I mean, Milwaukee, Giannis has done it, more power to him. But there, there are certain yeah. markets where you're like, okay, there's a small market and then there's a, a market I don't want to be in, like cold yeah. weather. And, I, and Portland, we've heard time and time again, players just saying that they love being and living in portland oregon totally so that's that's what i have to say about that yeah and and i'll say uh i agree 
totally just hearing, oh, the Blazers are on so-and-so's preferred list of places they want to be traded. That's great. Obviously, it's it's a little more of a concession because it wasn't his top, you know, five or, or whatever the original list he put out was. It's it's more of later on when things weren't actually getting pushed through. He's like, oh, I could go to Portland too. But it is good to see that Portland is getting that respect from players around the league. So now I'm going to go into like the actual, do we want James Harden? Let's be clear. If James Harden were somehow to be traded to the Portland Trailblazers, one of two players is traded to make that happen for sure. Dame or CJ. And guess what? We're not trading Dame. So it would have to be at least CJ McCollum for James Harden. Maybe a third team involved, maybe two or three more players from the Blazers involved as well. So then the discussion becomes, hey, is this something that Blazers fans want? And and something that's kind of frustrated me is a lot of people who were, you know, anti-trade CJ and um, very much just like, Stop giving the Blazers a hard time. Neil Olshay's doing great. Terry Stotts is doing great. All that. They're like, oh my gosh, you want CJ to be traded. Now James Harden's available and you don't want him. Well, let's think back to why we have wanted CJ to be traded. I'm not saying I want him to be traded. We'll discuss that more in a second. So we could be in this position, right? I mean, I'm sorry to take away your thunder there if that's where you're going, but that's, yeah. that's that, to get headway, that, that kind of momentum in free agency, to get the team that we kind of at least moving towards now right is that at least maybe where you're kind of thinking like at least that's that's the only times i've even really heard a lot of the cj chatter go up is when it's like uh we 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 need something we need somebody but it's like we've got Mm -hmm. all these little like pieces that are that are really contributing to our team now yeah i i agree with you for the most part but my main point is CJ McCollum, I think, is an underrated guard in this league, could definitely be like a leading point guard in this league. The problem with CJ McCollum on the Blazers is he plays next to Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum is a fantastic right. player. These Damian and CJ can find a way to be competitive no and matter what West. because they're both that and good. In the West as a, exactly. As a shooting guard, right? Exactly. There is absolutely no knock on CJ McCollum, in my opinion. It's just to say you need to have a different position okay um so the reason that people are in that cj mccollum trade um opinion is because you need a different position to be able to guard lebron to guard anthony davis something like that so for me i was all all for trading cj mccollum a couple years ago when anthony davis made himself available when jimmy butler was moving around the league when paul george said he wanted to go to la or somewhere that wasn't indiana and then he went to okc and it's like oh he's probably still available Obviously, you know, some of us might feel different about Paul George now, especially after the Clippers just lost by over 50 to the um, oh my Dallas gosh. Mavericks. Yeah, Mark Stein had to, just real quick, Mark <laughs> Stein had to preface that tweet by saying, this is not a misprint, and then and then posted it yes. was 18 to, to 50 or 60-something. I was like, uh... Down 50 at the half. It was insane. Um, but my point in saying all this is, CJ McCollum for James Harden, maybe it's good for the Blazers. I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally rooting for it. I'm not totally rooting against it. We'll see what happens. I'm guessing it doesn't happen, but it's possible, and it, and it might end up good for the Blazers if it does happen. I don't know. My point is, I'm not just rooting behind this because that doesn't solve the problem. The problem is our two best players are essentially point guards, and with James Harden in here, he got 17 assists last night with a bunch of scrubs, Essentially, I mean, Christian Wood was really good, and and, uh, James Harden gave him credit, but he got 17 assists. This guy 
is also a very good point guard who obviously can play very well at the shooting guard as well. Is James Harden better than CJ McCollum? In a lot of ways, yeah. In every way, no. Maybe he's not even a better fit for the Blazers. But my point is, he doesn't solve the the problem of those who think we should trade CJ McCollum. Uh, It's just another really good guard there. And yes, he's won an MVP and maybe has a higher ceiling, but he also comes with some baggage too. You know, just in short, what are the what are the Blazers' problems? Right, defense and. Uh, I guess having a third option and, and part of being a third option would really be uh, not being entirely ball dominant. And James Harden yeah. is certainly not known for his defense. And he's certainly <laughs> not known for being an off the ball player. So yeah. Like I said, not totally against a James Harden trade. Uh, not at all. Like just rooting for it. I, I could see it happening. I could see being happy with it but I'm not just thinking that's going to solve any of the Blazers' problems, really. And so speaking of which, let's let's get into these two games. Uh, We'll go back to the win. We'll start on a high note. The Blazers just beat the Rockets. Both CJ and James Harden had 44 points. Uh, CJ had his career-high nine three-pointers, over 50%, nine for 16. Uh, Over 50% shooting, 17 for 30. He was playing amazing, had eight assists. But like I said, James Harden also had 17 assists, and he was over 50% shooting, just under 50%, uh, 6 for 13 from the 3. These are two very good players. The Rockets were without John Wall, without Eric Gordon, without DeMarcus Cousins. They were missing a lot of key players due to COVID protocol, and this was their first game of the season. So I can understand if it's like, first game of the season, let's do everything we can to win. They've had time to prepare for it. That makes sense. But I would have really liked to see the Blazers really put them away when they basically just have James Harden and Christian Wood. I have a lot of gripes about the Blazers Jazz game that we'll get to soon, um, and a lot of those carried over to this one. But the biggest things that I was seeing is they were leaving a lot of guys open for three, like they always do for the last three, four, five years, the Portland Trail Blazers. Luckily, the Rockets were not hitting all that many threes. Toward the end, they were hitting some important ones, but... Throughout the game, it wasn't the worst thing in the world that the Blazers weren't defending the three-point line too well. What I will say is Christian Wood was wrecking, and Derek Jones Jr. did not play amazing defense on him, so that might be something to watch out for in the future if Derek Jones Jr. uh, should specifically not be playing on, you know, taller power forwards like uh, Christian Wood or like Anthony Davis, athletic, um, tall guys like that, Kevin Durant, something like that. But what else stuck out to you from that game, Austin? Well, uh, just kind of piggybacking on what you had you had noted with the three point efficiency, that looks like the Rockets had clocked in at thirty one point four percent for uh, a team total of three points three pointers made. Uh, they were eleven for thirty five, and it looks like the Blazers were nineteen of forty five at forty two percent. So we we. Not only were they missing, but we we were we were making uh, from from beyond, and and not not necessarily we, but CJ uh, with yeah. a, with a career high nine three pointers made. So uh, the other thing that stuck out to me is our 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 wings uh, had some had some deflections here. So I don't it doesn't look like anyone on the Rockets had more than one steal. Yeah. It looks like we had. It looks like Robert Covington, Carmelo Anthony, and Rodney Hood all had two, and mm-hmm. we had. Uh, let's see. 
Yeah, I mean, it, we were just active on defense, uh, just looking at the yeah. box score, at least. I mean, Damon CJ combined for 76 points, so... You love to see it. You love to see that, and it sounds like... And I, I told Christian before we uh, started recording that I was wrapping up some holiday festivities, which, by the way, happy holidays for all of us here at Peeps and Plaid. We'll... Uh, We'll wrap this thing up saying that as well, but but uh, happy holidays to you and yours. But we are, I was wrapping up some festivities on my end, and, and I, I came back, and when I flipped on the TV, they uh, they just said we were just hemorrhaging on defense in the first half. And, you know, the, the follow-up statement to that was that D, Dame was carrying us, I think, offensively. Um, CJ kind of has a knack. I mean, the Blazers in general do, but CJ kind of has a knack for the third quarter explosion yeah. right am i am i am i just thinking that or i feel like that's a, that's not necessarily a a, a one-off thing it it kind of depends the blazers on the whole the last couple years have kind of sucked in the third quarter um and remember i think two years ago when the blazers uh basically the entire season it was if they had the lead going into the fourth quarter they would win the game and if they yeah. did not have the lead oh. it was you know, a little, a little more iffy. But so it was an unbelievable uh, percentage. It was like, yeah. it was like, it was like seventy-two games into the season, they still kept that. Where if they have the lead in the fourth, they win the game, um, which was really impressive. And, and that's the thing is they've been a pretty bad third quarter team uh, for the last few years. I mean, last year we saw they would have some phenomenal first quarters. You're like, this is the Blazers team we want, and then they just completely lose it. And that happened about ten or fifteen times where. You know, I'm on Twitter and everyone's losing their minds. Oh my gosh, the Blazers are back! And I'm like, hey, remember, it's the first quarter. We've done this before. Uh, let's see how the rest of the game goes before we overreact. Another thing I wanted to talk about is we've discussed the defense of Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Again, kind of the biggest thing that I'm hoping for with these guys is a little more speed um, and more fast break success because hopefully their length is going to lead to more turnovers and obviously Derek Jones Jr. is very good at dunking. Robert Covington also had a fast break dunk last night off of his steal. He poked the ball out. I think CJ passed it up to him and he got a dunk. And that's something that this Blazers team is not used to. So that's encouraging to see. Yet again, I do not think Robert Covington is just this instant savior for the Blazers. He's not just like a LeBron stopper or something. Hopefully he can have games like that. Hopefully he can contribute and become uh, just what we need as a 3 and D player. But I just don't want us to put too much hope in him. Uh, the, the whole team needs to step up if we want to contend. Derek Jones Jr. is pretty similar. I mean, he's he's got length. He's got athleticism. He had an alley-oop from Dame, which is not a common occurrence for this Blazer team. So hopefully at some point they get some more practice on that and make that a regular part of the offensive arsenal. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I actually was... Uh, that's so funny you brought that up. I was just about to say, wasn't that down the stretch... That he made that alley oop. I mean, that was a that was a bigger alley oop. Oh, I'm thinking it was overtime. It was either fourth quarter or overtime. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was like a. It was. I remember because I. There's there's two modes you're in when you're watching a Blazers game. You're either sitting back. I, sh- I should say as an NBA fan. Mm-hmm. You're either sitting back or you're sitting up. And I was sitting up. Yeah. And I remember this was this was sitting up minutes. And he had that, and he just you know he he really celebrated after, and I was like, oh man, I'm so excited. That was. I think it tweeted something. Airplane mode. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. You know, that was, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we get some more of that. Huh? So um, one thing I want to talk about, uh, 
again, we'll discuss this more with the Jazz, but the Blazers' bench is not doing so well defensively. So we are not, you know, all in on the plus-minus as a stat category, but it definitely tells you something. And Ennis Cantor, 10 points, 4 for 5 shooting, 9 rebounds, 4 of those were offensive. He played really well. He was a minus 8 when he was on the court. And a big reason for that is also Carmelo Anthony, a minus 16 when he was on the court, 2 for 9 field goal. And the last two games we've seen um, a, a bit of, you know, him coming back to Portland was, hey, you're going to be the main guy off the bench, and that's great. But we need to do it in a way that makes sense. And in that Blazers-Jazz game, there was regularly like, oh, we're going to do four tries at an ISO play and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And they would end up making one two-pointer out of those four tries, whereas the Jazz made like three three-pointers in that same amount of time. And it's like, you can't just be hoping to get two points one in four times or one in three times or maybe even one in five times while the other team's just getting whatever they want and like threes included. So that is not good to see, especially when the Blazers are already down like 10, 15, 20, and you're just not even going for threes. You're just going to waste some of the shot clock and hope hope that a low percentage contested two goes in. No, like let's get some plays going. Let's open someone up. You know, it's pretty much a 100% uh, shot if you can get a guy open at the basket. So I just want to see some more plays from this Blazers team. In the Rockets game, it was pretty similar where it's just most of the Blazers plays end up being one or two guys with the ball and three guys standing around. And maybe they end up getting the ball kicked out to them. Maybe not. But at the end of that Blazers Rockets game, end of the fourth quarter, like last three minutes, there was regularly a play that involved three players and they all worked. <laughs> there was one where I think it was Nurk had the ball, Rocco set a pick for Dame, Dame ran to the basket, left completely wide open, Nurk hit Dame, Dame just, you know, no one within 10 feet of him gets a layup easy. I want to see a little bit more of that. Uh, I don't know if I'm crazy, but let's get more guys involved in these plays. I do not see enough ball movement on this Blazers team. It's a lot of, you know, ISO or pick and roll. And pick and roll is great, but we got to get it down consistently. Christian, Christian, this is what I was talking about when I jumped on the, the, the fire stats train <laughs> for a bit with you. And you were saying, no, no, no. But now this is what this is what we're all coming to terms with is that's really what our offense has been for years i don't really care if cj came out in the midst of it last year and said oh well people don't know we're injured we're only running 60 percent of our playbook well i can tell you what it looks like as a layman fan looks like a lot of movement Mm -hmm. uh at times from the starters tremendous individual talent and solid screen and rolls yeah uh, lots of pick and rolls. Dame and Nurk were top three in the league in pick and roll uh, efficiency and production, like just in the recent years. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the infographic I saw, but they were literally like the one of the best tandems in the pick and roll. So I get it. I get why you go to it. I get why it's there. That's uh, the system for these players. But man, I'm so tired of seeing it because then as soon as the guys who don't buy into that system are on the court or don't have a game that fits that system, like like Melo who wants to turn his back to the basket yeah. and stop moving, everyone stops moving. Yep. And if if you and if you're not moving in Stotts offense, then the big can't distribute. Yeah. Right. Because if, if if no one's moving, then then everyone's covered. Yeah. Um, and, and and we don't have bigs that are big enough to or or I guess I should say talented enough to just go 
down low like Andre Drummond when everyone's just standing around the three-point yeah. line and just bully someone or like Anthony Davis. We have to move. Yeah. And there's no movement on defense. Totally. Not only is there not – I guess this is this is really what like – now I'm getting irritated. <laughs> um, not only is there not play calls, there's not movement at times. Yeah. That that really makes me want to scream it's, as a Blazers fan. It's one guy in each like, corner. It's one guy on the wing or one guy in the paint, and then it's two guys at you know at the top of the three point line trying to make something yeah. happen. And it's like yeah. y- you know you have five players. Like I understand spacing yeah. the floor. It's very important. Yeah. I want to see more movement. We see you know the San Antonio Spurs back in the day. I'm not saying everyone is a genius like Greg Popovich <laughs> yeah. to make it work. Yeah. But they're focused on defense and ball movement. Guess what? It's it's a 100% shot if you get a guy under the basket, they dunk it, they get a layup. That's 90, 100% shot. Obviously, there's a chance for turnovers and the passing. That's something that you need to work on. I am not an expert in basketball whatsoever. I'm just saying, I want to see more movement. Whenever I see three or more guys actually involved in a play, I see that being a much higher percentage look than when it's one or two guys. And with that being said, you know, this this ISO ball, I'm not I'm not just hating on Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony's great. He was great for us in the bubble last year, and right. a big reason he was great was catch and shoot threes. Carmelo Anthony, I know a big part of his game is ISO. I think uh, we need to give it maybe one or two chances a game, and if it doesn't fall maybe by the third shot, abandon it. If Carmelo Anthony doesn't get one of his patented baskets, then when he misses Ennis Cantor, one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, has a high likelihood of, of making something happen yeah. at that point. No, it's not happening. Yeah. So don't go to it. Yeah, I mean, and if, if it works, ugh. it works and go to it. But guess what? It hasn't been working for two games. It hasn't worked a lot of games last season. Carmelo Anthony is still a very good shooter, still a very good part of this team. Uh, we just need to use some discernment there. If it's not working, stop going to it. If you're letting the Houston Rockets that are completely depleted if you're letting them stay in the game, send you to overtime, up 10 at the half, you need to adjust. That's that's just a fact. I mean, Carmelo has shown that he can do more than just, you know, ISO back to the basket, turn around, hope you can make it. It's like, hey, let's let's not do that for, you know, 15 minutes a game. Let's let's let some ball movement get involved. Let's run some plays that have worked for the Blazers in the past. And I can understand if it's like, oh, our guys are tired. We want to give everyone a break. Let Melo just, you know, dribble it out and try his best. But we have depth. We don't need to let everyone uh, rest. Yeah, like Anthony might not make, for example, Anthony might not make like the most, uh, like he's not going to, you're not going to run the offense through Anthony Mm -hmm. uh, in that unit. Um, But like, you don't, you shouldn't be afraid to give him the ball. Yeah. Like uh, offensively in a second unit, like he, he, he might not always make the best decision, but he's not a player that's a liability offensively. We have yeah. we have we have weapons. We have we have Anthony <laughs> Simons. We have Rodney Hood, uh, DJJ, Rocco. Um, we have Ennis, who is known to be an offensive cent- offensive uh, oriented center. He was four for five. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and then uh, and then often you'll see. Uh, maybe CJ kind of blending in as a as a backcourt player in that second unit a little bit. So there's no excuse. Yeah, and my point in saying all this, I mean James Harden got 17 assists last night. My point isn't to say I hate CJ. Trade for James Harden. We need more ball movement. It's not to say I hate Carmelo Anthony. What the heck? Stop stop playing ISO. I mean maybe a little bit, but um, and it's not to say I hate Terry Stotts. He's terrible. It's to say just look at that game. The, 
the one or two times where you actually ran plays that involved your whole team, it worked great. And the stretches where it was, hey, let's slow things down, let's play some ISO, and you know, even though the other team's getting wide open threes, let's just settle for a hand in our face two that we've missed three times in a row. Like that, just like use your eyes. It's the eye test. I'm I'm not an expert in basketball at all, but I'm saying there's things that have shown to work and things that haven't. And it doesn't have to be a hundred percent switch, but like let's let's switch our tendencies so that we're going for what has proven to work repeatedly. Let me let me throw you a quick curveball. If if for any reason Houston included Christian Wood in the trade discussions, how would that affect your? Opinion? Oh, dude, they are not including Christian Wood. He is he's there. He's going to be. For years, people are going to be saying, best contract in the league, best contract in the league. He is killing. He was great last season. I honestly didn't watch him much at all. I was hearing great things about him, watched some highlights. He is a very good player. James Harden was saying, you know, a lot of that was Christian Wood is why he got 17 assists. He is not getting traded. But what if, 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 if Portland threw in the kitchen sink everything but Dame for those and we were able to get that on a return what would your opinion be then i mean it just depends um right now if we if the blazers were to do a hardened trade my thoughts are that it would be like cj simons and collins which wouldn't be terrible um for wood that wouldn't be terrible at all yeah for wood i mean you can't trade covington because he was traded from the rockets this season so it can't trade back but it would i'm sure it would probably include at least Derek Jones Jr. Um, yeah, I mean, Blazer, if, if the Blazers end up trading Nurk, that's not, I don't think that's necessarily worth it, even though Wood definitely has more upside and all that. But What what if what if you don't have to trade Nurk? I mean, if you can, you know, trade CJ, Derek Jones, and, you know, Hood and Trent or something like that, then maybe, maybe that'd be nice to get Harden and Christian Wood, but I maybe really that'd don't. That'd be nice, that'd be crazy. I don't see that that'd happening, though. Crazy. I don't see it happening. Because Wood, Wood, did Wood play the five or the... I mean, he played the five for them probably, right? I mean, I don't know. P.J. Tucker plays but the five. But he would... But... Well, so then... So what? He'd play a four alongside Nurk? I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be a really nice lineup. I'm not going to lie. That would but be crazy. Yeah, that would be very nice. <laughs> who would be the Who would be the three in that lineup then, in the starting lineup? That would be Rocco. That would be uh, Dame, James Harden, Rocco, Christian Wood, Nurk. Um, yeah, Th- this isn't happening. This is way too much. That literally sounds like a, a, oh my gosh. But uh, Danny Morang was talking about, okay, if we're going for it, I want PJ Tucker too. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me, even though he was slapping everyone on the head the last game. Yeah, I mean, I could I could go for PJ Tucker as another solid um, four or five. I don't know. I don't know why he plays the five, but he's, you know, he's solid. He's a little Draymond Green-esque in that way. He had that ugly three. I'm, I'm sorry, but he had that ugly three, and it was like I was like, "Is that PJ Tucker taking a three on the wing?" <laughs> and it was like, "Bonk!" And then I was like, "Oh, that didn't look so good." Uh, and then the next possession, it was like right in the corner at his pat, his, his spot, and he, it was like bottom of the net. I was like, "That looks that looks about right." Yeah, yeah. So let's skip over to that first game against the Jazz. I don't want to talk about it. It sucked. Blazers uh, only lost by twenty somehow. Should have been a lot more. Um, they did not play well. Dame did not score very much, but that's because it seems like he was just trying to get the rest of the team open. Ended up one for seven from three, so maybe not. But CJ's our leading scorer on the team. 23 that first game, 44 last game against the Rockets. It's good to see that. He still didn't shoot amazing in that first game, and, and neither did the rest of the team. 
But the biggest thing was defense. I mean, yet again, Blazers just not defending the three-point line. They, I guess Stotts just doesn't care about defending threes. If the Blazers played the defense they did against the Rockets, against the Nuggets, the Jazz, anyone, even the Timberwolves. Timberwolves like to make threes on us. Pretty much any team, we're just going to get lit up because so many guys were left open in Utah. So many guys were left open against the Rockets. Luckily, the Rockets were missing them, though, and it was enough for the Blazers to win it. But like I said, it'll be like four possessions in a row. Jazz will score like two threes and a two and then miss one. And then the Blazers are going to like try some ISO and maybe get a two-pointer once out of four tries. And it's like there, there goes any chance of a lead right there. So any thoughts on that Jazz game? I mean, we lost the rebound battle. That kind of speaks to, I, th- I think, a little bit of what you were saying. Um, Jazz ended with a team, 59 rebounds, and we ended with uh, 40. So they had almost 20 more rebounds than we did. So even though we shot only 5% less on a, on a team field goal percentage, they were just getting more attempts. Um, and I want to see how much of that was Mr. Rudy Gobert himself. Well, there you go. 17 <laughs> rebounds for Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, that's why he is really sought after and I think gets a lot of respect. Hey, but Nurk had three rebounds. That's that's about the same as 17, right? Excuse <laughs> me? Oh, my gosh. Oh. Another interesting uh, stat line. I don't really know if there's any takeaway from it, but uh, Gary Trent Jr. Um, was three for five beyond the arc finished with 11 points uh and played 26 minutes so he you know um, was relatively productive he was efficient from beyond the arc yeah one for seven from two covington had one point over three again covington is not an instant savior for this team hopefully he can be an important part of it but uh and his canter seven for seven uh only minus 10 the box score which is not horrendous for a loss not bad yeah i mean ennis Cantor has now missed only one shot uh so far this season so that's pretty pretty good to see but the blazers did not show up against the jazz um the jazz were making threes blazers were not defending them blazers were settling a lot uh dame was not shooting great dame was trying to get his teammates involved and they pretty much refused to nurk has gotten lazy the last couple games at plenty of points um there was a key rebound he could have got in that Rockets game, or at least gone for, that could have sealed the deal in regulation. Um, so yeah, I just want to see some more effort from everyone, and hopefully uh, some more actual plays and some more defense. Robert Covington, one thing he, uh, like I said before, I hadn't watched too much actual game film, but watching defensive highlights, Robert Covington likes to let a guy get past him and then kind of reach behind which ends up in a lot of fouls as far as, you know, he has averaged a lot of fouls in his career, but it also ends up in a lot of steals. and it Almost like a defensive back that baits a, baits an interception, right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. They let, they'll, they'll let him get a little bit of a, a lead in front of him, and then they'll just try to jump a pass. Yeah, um, I'm thinking more— He'll deflect, but he'll do it when they have the ball. Yeah, though. exactly. He'll even, yep. like, on-ball on defense, basically, yeah. he'll, he'll do that. So it worked well in, in that fast-break dunk that I was talking about in the Rockets game where he let—I uh, think it was James Harden—get ahead of him. He poked the ball out. Ended up getting to CJ. CJ passed it up to him. He got the dunk. Another one in that same Rockets game, it was, I think, in overtime. And he 
like let James Harden get ahead of him and you would think that it would set him up well when James Harden does a step back because he's just right there but he was so intent on playing catch up because he was a, like more than a step behind he started like sprinting so when James Harden did a step back he had no way to stop his momentum and James Harden had like yeah. 5 feet of separation and sunk it easy yeah. so that's something to watch out for when he goes against um, smaller like guards like James Harden things like that where he's better suited against threes and fours in those situations where yeah he you know he has some help inside with Nurk or you know maybe I guess uh, Cantor like in the key to be able to help him out if they get too far ahead of him but yeah against guards his style of play might not be ideal we'll have to keep watching to yeah. see um if guys like Kyrie and Steph um take advantage of that but um it's a little scary to see that because it's nice to be like oh we got you know Covington and Derek Jones on Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook that's great Damon CJ can play you know these nobody three and fours that you know aren't are undersized so it works out well but if they don't if Covington doesn't have um that defensive style to be able to stick with a guy and he lets them go in front on purpose uh they can really cook him sometimes so we got to watch out for that for sure see if see if that's becomes a trend or if that was just like a one or two time thing against james james harden i guess we'll see i i think that i it is interesting i was i was listening um to your analysis of his kind of like on on ball defense and um what's what's roko's age he's 29 he's like dame's age so that's something that I'd imagine defensively they would want to shore up kind of earlier on in a, in a player's career, like if it was almost uh, ineffective. or uh, Just because I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is by the time that he maybe adjusts that part of his game yeah. on backcourt players or smaller players, I think what makes Rocco Rocco and a lot of defensive long players as good as they are as athleticism and age. Yeah. And so if he's if he's 29, he might just flat out be, at least for the time that he's going to be a Portland Trailblazer, most efficient with those front court players. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe Derek Jones Jr., yeah. being young, being athletic, maybe he is better suited to switch on to those guards on occasion. And Which he's still overcommitted. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I there was a there was certainly a, a, uh, a hezzy. James Harden stepped back, hesitated, and Derek Jones Jr. cut him off really well, and, and Lamar Hurd even said that. Yeah. But then James Harden just said bye bye, <laughs> and it's like even even on that first move, there's just like a little circle around James Harden's feet that you can't get within. But you know the saddest part is, just like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and a couple other guys, there's an even smaller circle just outside of that first one that you can't be outside. Of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like ah. Oh. Uh. What are you gonna there's, do? There's you know, no pick your poison. <laughs> and right. uh, correction, Covington did turn thirty this month, so he's thirty. Dame's also thirty. For one, Covington could play better against someone like Christian Wood. Like I was saying, Derek Jones Jr. lost Christian Wood a couple times, um, and Derek Jones Jr. maybe would be better set to play against someone like Harden. So that's something we can watch out for in the future. One thing that I really like to see with the Blazers, uh, like to see more so Dame's intensity about it, was Ennis Cantor reached as james harden was running by like someone's guarding james harden he's running past and his canter and he's like oh i could maybe he kept doing that. he's like maybe i could right? get the ball Didn't... yeah and he ended up getting called for a foul and dame you know he cussed at him he yells um he's like stop reaching and 
I just love to see that where it's like, hey, we've we've talked about this. We know this player is going to get these calls. It's never going to work out. Like, let's stick to the yeah. game plan. Stop doing all this crazy stuff. So it's good to see that they actually are paying attention to these tendencies. Obviously, you know that's that's easy to say. They've been playing James Harden for years, but um, it's good to hear that you know the team actually has a solid plan as far as hey, James is going to the basket. Let's make sure we defend him this way. Um, one thing I want to hit on real quick uh, before we end the episode is we talked a little bit about these Blazer young guys um, and restricted free agents and all that. One thing to consider is, uh, well, I don't know what the heck the Clippers were doing with free agency. They lost Harrell when he was just getting a um, uh, biannual exception from the Lakers. They ended up signing the Morris brother. I don't even know which one's which. Marcus Morris, I'm pretty sure. Uh, to like four years, sixty-four million or something, and they signed Luke uh, Kennard also for four years, sixty-four million. Uh, yeah, he got a big, big bag of money, which is crazy. And that's kind of someone that they've been com- comparing Gary Trent Jr. to. So I don't know if he ends up going for like four years, sixty-four, unless um, Zach Collins doesn't have that good of a year and doesn't warrant too much. Um, I don't know if the Blazers will be able to match it for year 64. I mean, right now, like I said, they only have two guys, Dame and CJ, that'll be on this team in 2023 as of right now, locked in. They're paying Andrew Nicholson that year, but that's it. <laughs> they uh, they could have Nasir for one, uh, let's see, Nasir for two more years and Simons for one more year if they end up taking those options as well. Um, but this team... Everyone else is only on contract through this year and next year. So it's pretty crazy to see that. We'll, we'll see um, if they end up keeping Trent and or Collins next year. Um, they'll have maybe a little bit of space in the next couple years, depending on how things go. But if they lock up Trent, it could be a pretty big contract and it could strap them for years to come. So um, that's something to watch out for. We'll see how the Blazers look. It's time to wrap up the episode here. So thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Uh, as I understand it, subscribe is going to go ahead and give you some notifications. Let us know when we drop. We're, um, I don't want to say irregular. I think we, we release at least one to two episodes a month, but it'll uh, go ahead and ping you when we do. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Those are our two primary means of, of getting this content out to you at Peeps and Plaid. Um, um, Spotify. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever, whatever uh, you're liking this. Thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays and go Blazers! Yeah.